Well, good morning to you, and I uh, trust and pray that God would bless us here this morning. And uh, I, I'll say this, I'm very thankful to be back at church this morning. Uh, uh, we were talking about Brother Rusty Wise earlier and uh, being in prayer for him. and uh, understand he's not able to be at church services this morning. I know last Sunday I wasn't able to, and uh, it's really it's really strange for somebody that's, uh, that's used to being at church, much less uh, preaching, to not be able to be, it's just a, a bad feeling. But I, for those of you who know, I had a stomach virus, and that, that really uh, had me under the weather last weekend. So I trust that you'll pray for us this morning, pray for the services. Many of you know we've been trying to go through the book of Romans. Uh, we have finally uh, arrived at the uh, last chapter of the book of Romans, the 16th chapter. We mentioned last week, that, uh, or a couple of weeks ago now, that uh, as Paul brings this letter to an end, and it has been... Uh, you know, as pe- a lot of people say, you know, the, the letter itself is a theological masterpiece uh, in laying out the, uh, the doctrines of, of what Christ accomplished and that he aco- what he accomplished, he accomplished for both Jew and Gentile. Uh, and while this congregation at Rome was a Jewish and Gentile congregation, Paul spends a majority of the letter not only addressing doctrinal things with those people there, but also bringing them together and letting and helping them to realize you know that even though one group has been raised up under the law one group has been raised up without uh knowledges of knowledge of the law or the gospel or those things uh that they that they are all together in one in christ jesus and uh he begins to exhort them to uh set aside their differences uh for the for those that are as we mentioned before in this 15th chapter uh 14th and 15th chapter then he exhorts those that are strong in the faith to strengthen and to help those that are weak in the faith uh and to help uh, help them as they do that and as he brings this 15th chapter uh to a close uh he begins to talk to them about uh <clears throat> how that uh you know how he is going. Uh, not only does he have a, uh, a a desire to come to Rome and preach, but before he goes to Rome, uh, he's going to first travel to Jerusalem uh, to carry uh, goods from the churches of the uh, of the uh, uh, Galatia, uh, Asia Minor area, uh, where Paul was uh, teaching and preaching so much of the time, uh, and he. I think he makes the point to these folks of this mixed congregation that these Gentiles here in Asia Minor are now caring for the needs of the, of the church, at, church at Jerusalem. And because they felt like they had an uh, uh, owed a debt to the church at Jerusalem, the church at Jerusalem is where the gospel first went forth. And because the, the churches of Asia Minor and other areas had benefited so greatly from the spiritual knowledge and the things of the gospel, he, he says they felt obligated to share their carnal things, their, their goods, their, their money, whatever they might have to carry to the church at Jerusalem to help those saints there who uh, had, had come under persecution both from their own Jewish brethren uh, because of the fact they were now worship, uh, serving Christ and serving the Messiah rather than continuing in the tra- traditions of their fathers and following after the Jewish religion of that, that had been carried on for years. And so Paul says they felt a need <coughs> to, to send to their needs. And then Paul makes the point, but I'm going to come to you, and when I come to you, I kind of expect you to gather together your goods because you're going to help me go on into Spain. 
Paul had a desire to also not only preach at Rome, but also to go on and preach the gospel in Spain. And so he's let, he's kind of prepping them, if you will, that these folks are, are caring for my needs to take to the church at Jerusalem. And when I come to you, I'm looking to you to take care of my needs so that I might be able to even go on into Spain and preach the gospel there as well. And so as he as he brings the, the 15th chapter of this book to a close, now the Apostle Paul goes in to the 16th chapter of the book of Romans. And, and as he does, he begins to commend uh, many people there that are named by, you know, named individually and brought forth here in this to this letter uh, to the church at Rome. And and as I was looking at this, it's like, okay, I, I could go through and read this and say, yeah, so Paul said this, and he committed this person, he committed that person. <clears throat> but as we think about this, I want us to, uh, to put to rest this morning, if we can, uh, one, of the great, uh, one of the great harms, I think, of the modern, uh, modern era, uh, and that is the fact that Paul is oftentimes called in modern words, I don't even, li- I don't even like this word because it's like one of those words you like, uh, I have to get the dictionary to look up this word, you know, but uh, Paul is not a misogynist, okay? Paul is not a woman hater. <laughs> uh, Paul is not one of these uh, one of these people that is trying to put women down. And so, and I, I think we see that as we begin this 16th chapter, <clears throat> who is the very first person that he commends to the church at Rome? Uh, and not only does he commend her to the church at Rome, uh, he tells them to be, to help her in her business. And so, <coughs> so as we read this, uh, I'm going to read a fir- the first several verses of the 16th chapter. And then, if we can this morning, uh, I want to address uh, some things, some common mis- uh, uh, misinformation, I guess you'd call it, that, uh, that has been taught by the church. <laughs> Maybe even by me on occasion. You know, as I look back over some things that I may have said over the years, but I want to address the woman's role both in the home, if we have time, in the church, uh, and and uh, and let us see that the the woman's role is a very, very, very important role, uh, and that uh, and and putting it or putting it down, or I'll say for you husbands out there uh, to put your wives down uh, as not being like something like they might be something less than you. That's not what the apostle Paul was trying to teach. Paul was teaching we have different roles and that uh, the, that, uh, the roles are laid out in Scripture uh, and women are given great advice and uh, of what to do and what they should be doing. And I'll say this kind of jumping ahead maybe in <coughs> some of what I'm thinking this morning, but as, as you're sitting there this morning uh, and as we get into the, the role of women teaching uh, and uh, how that is laid out in Scripture, do you know the women can't teach if they're not learning? Uh, you know, uh, if if they're not if they're not sitting in church and learning what what scriptures teach, uh, how can you share that with your children? How can the older women teach the younger women if they don't know uh, what they need to know? And so uh, there's a there's a role that God's people are to be playing out here in the church to strengthen the church and to strengthen homes and strengthen families and strengthen today. If if I look at look out across this nation of ours, many many of the failures that we're looking at across this nation as the young generations are coming up, some of the failures we're seeing is somebody has failed to teach them what they need to know, and. <clears throat> 
we're gonna see we're gonna see where some of that lies this morning, I guess, as uh, as we look at this. So, 16th chapter of the book of Romans, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, <coughs> which is at Centuria, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succor of many, and of myself also." Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So we start out here in the 16th chapter of the book of Romans, and the Apostle Paul commends three people to them right off the, the bat if you will, and uh, two of the three are women. Uh, and as we take a look at these uh, these women, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't tell us, you know, one thing Paul doesn't tell us here, and if we think about this entire Roman letter, Paul has been trying to uh, work between the uh, uh, between the Jews and the Gentiles here at the church at Rome. Paul doesn't come out and say, <coughs> please help my sister, a uh, Gentile sister, Phoebe, uh, as she comes to you, uh, uh, to the church at Rome. Uh, he just says, help my sister, Phoebe. Uh, he calls her his sister. You know what that, uh, what that also signifies? Paul doesn't belittle her. Uh, Paul looks at her as an equal, uh, in a sense. Uh, he's a brother. She's a sister. Uh, that's what we call each. And I don't think, uh, I, I think it's very evident if you're around the church. Uh, Paul's not talking about his sister as in his blood sister, I don't believe. He's talking about his sister in Christ. Uh, uh, that as she comes to you, uh, I commend unto you, uh, Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church. Now, uh, that word servant there is taken from the same word that the word deacon is taken from. And some people have looked at this portion of Scripture and said, why, Phoebe must have been a deaconess. Uh, I don't think that's what's under consideration here. Uh, but the word servant is the same word that's used, which also tells you that, the word, that a deacon is supposed to be a servant of the church. Uh, as Paul uses this word here in relation to our dear sister Phoebe, uh, uh, he just—I think—he's expressing the fact she's a servant of the church. What does that mean? That means she's a helper around th things. She helps other families. She helps other people in the church. What she sees a need, she goes and helps. Uh, that's what servants do around the church. Brother Derek was talking about that a little bit this morning. Uh, and you think about—you uh, see a need. Uh, uh, Brother Derek, and I get into these kind of conversations sometimes. Uh, not necessarily about about. Uh, church, but I think about it even around around the home a lot of times, and and I go back to some of our experience when uh, when we were at singing school and, and and doing things up there, and and I tell uh, tell people a lot of times I said you know I I don't understand uh, people would ask me uh, when I retired from my regular. 40-hour-a-week job, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Well, what are you going to do now? Uh, well, uh, you know, I'll tell you this. Uh, I have found plenty to do around the house. But here's the key. Uh, you've got to have the mindset of looking around your home uh, and saying, what needs to be done? <laughs> and if you have the attitude of looking around and asking, 
what needs to be done, you can find plenty to do. <clears throat> you can find plenty to do in the yard. You can find plenty to do in the house. You can find plenty to do on a rainy day inside and on a sunny day outside. There's always something to do around the house. <clears throat> And you know what? There's always something that needs to be done around the church. And if you will ask yourselves, what needs to be done? How could I help today? As a servant, who could I call? Do I need to check on this or do I need to check on that? What needs to be done today? I used to, uh, years ago when I was doing management training uh, with uh, with Southern Company, uh, they used to use, we used to use some old Lou Holtz tapes. Uh, and for those of you that know Lou Holtz, uh, he was coach at Notre Dame at that time. Uh, and he had came out with a series of motivational tapes. And if you've ever heard him speak, he's a tremendous motivational speaker. Whether you like him or like Notre Dame or other places he's coached or not, doesn't matter. He's a tremendous, uh, uh, tremendous uh, motivator of people, and that's how he was so successful at almost every school he ever coached at was because he was able to motivate young men to do things beyond what they would normally do. And he had an acronym uh, called uh, W-I-N, WIN. And for that, uh, and an acronym for WIN was What's Important Now? As he looked around every day uh, uh, at his team, he says that the team ought to be asking What's important now uh, to get prepared for the come upcoming game, uh, for the upcoming week? Uh, and I'll tell you, if you and I will take on that little acronym for winning, uh, uh, we'll find out uh, that we'll look around and say, what's important now to be successful at what I need to do? Well, <clears throat> that's kind of a little side journey this morning. But we look at Sister Phoebe here this morning. She was a servant of the church. <clears throat> Maybe she constantly looked around and said, What's important now? How can I help this family, or how can I help that family? And not and it, as we uh, as we see here, she was a servant of the church, which is at Centuria. And he, Paul asked them, says, uh, "Receive her in the Lord as become as saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succor of many, and of myself also." So Paul says she's coming to Rome. <laughs> Rome, church at Rome, I want you to help her in whatever business she has. You know, the Paul, Paul does not say what her business is. He doesn't say whether she's coming to uh, check on family members or, or whatever, or whether she's coming, maybe she's like Sister Lydia. Maybe she had a business. Uh, uh, Sister Lydia, if you go back over into the book of Acts, uh, Paul, uh, there's another woman. Uh, uh, we want to talk about the women this morning. Paul uh, had a dream uh, that we find recorded, I believe, in about the 15th, 16th chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, and the, in that dream, uh, Paul saw a man uh, uh, that cried out to him, uh, uh, come and help us, in uh, the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and he says, come to Macedonia. So Paul went to Macedonia, but you know what he found when he got to Macedonia? He found a group of women gathered together down on the riverside uh, there, uh, uh, washing and so forth and praying that day. And as Paul went up and spoke to them and, and, pre and began to preach to them, uh, the Bible says that Lydia, a seller of purple who was there, uh, her heart was opened up to the gospel message uh, and she followed after Christ. And this is the lady... Uh, uh, that was the very beginning of the church at Philippi 
where, where Brother Derek's been teaching us about, uh, that her and the Philippian jailer, where Paul was jailed, uh, put in jail for casting out uh, an evil spirit, uh, and him and Silas were singing in the jail cell at midnight. Uh, though, those, are the play, those were the two primary people and families that started the church at Philippi, but Lydia, a seller of purple. Uh, she had her own business. Uh, you know, the Bible doesn't mention anywhere in the talking about Lydia, uh, anything about her husband. Um, it doesn't say anything about, uh, uh, but it does say her and her household followed up uh, and were baptized and followed after the teachings that Paul brought to them. So here in the uh, 16th chapter uh, of the book of Romans, Paul doesn't tell us what uh, uh, what Sister Phoebe's business is. It could have been anything, but you know where what Paul felt like for her to find the best help. The best help that she could find when she got to Rome was going to be in her brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, and so Paul commends Sister Phoebe uh, uh, to them uh, and tell them to help her in her business. Why? Because she had helped Paul in so many ways. I'll tell you what, isn't that, doesn't that sound like uh, maybe some of you have been today at different times. Uh, uh, you find out that somebody else uh, that has been kind to you needs some help. Uh, and you call your friends and you tell them, you help this person whatever way you can to, because she's been kind to me. And not only that, she's a good sister in the church and she's been a servant to those that are there. And so uh, uh, Paul commends this sister uh, in her business. Uh, and I think what we'll find, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times we hear the hear the phrase, uh, <clears throat> and I'll turn over there to that this morning, uh, uh, but let's turn over to 1 Timothy. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's turn over to 1 Timothy uh Chapter chapter two, and maybe uh, maybe Titus, maybe where I really need to go. Uh, but uh, we'll 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 get a we'll get a look at that as we as we turn over here in just a second. As we turn over to First Timothy chapter two, let's turn over to Titus uh, first. Titus chapter two, and uh, and let's just uh, uh, take a look at a few things that we find there. Uh, so the Apostle Paul here writing uh, writing to the young preacher Titus. He begins to lay out roles for one for the preacher in the church. And he tells the preacher, uh, uh, Titus, he says, Titus, you need to be a teacher of sound doctrine. Uh, and part of your sound doctrine is you're to teach the older men. There's some things they're supposed to teach to the younger men. And, uh, and to the younger women, uh, he, sa he says this, uh, uh, <clears throat> that they may teach uh, the young women to be sober, uh, uh, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. That's the one that I, that's where I wanted to zero in on uh, uh, because uh, uh, I think not only have I probably at times maybe mistaught some of this, uh, uh, but I think it's widely mistaught by people today uh, by looking at the phrase and not understanding uh, what the phrase means. Uh, it doesn't mean to stay at home. Uh, Phoebe did not stay at home. Uh, Lydia did not stay at home. Uh, Lydia was a seller of purple. Uh, she was out doing and raising money and doing what needed to be done for her family. Uh, Phoebe, uh, whatever business she had, was carrying her from the area where Paul knew her in Asia Minor to Rome. Uh, and when she got to Rome, you know, you need to look at a map and think about the tra how people traveled uh, in about A.D. Uh, 
40 A.D. 60. And think about this was a woman who was going on business to Rome all the way from Asia Minor. That's a trip. <laughs> That's a journey. That's a journey today. Much less to think about in that day. But Paul sent her to place where he knew. You know, Rome wasn't a very kind place. Uh, uh, women were often treated badly uh, uh, and uh, <coughs> and treated uh, uh, more uh, as sexual objects than anything else uh, in the day. And so, what did Paul do? Paul sends her to the church. You want to find a good place to go? He says, I'm going to commend this sister to you and you help her in whatever business she has while she's there because she's been a sucker of mine. So we turn over and as we look at different roles of things, we need to understand what the Bible's actually teaching. It's very important for us to understand. And so the Bible tells us here in Titus chapter 2 that the older women are to teach teach the younger women. Uh, uh, well, as we mentioned before, uh, and maybe I should read this right, the aged women likewise. Uh, it says the aged men and the aged uh, women. But it says in verse uh, in verse uh, 3, the aged women likewise that ye be in behavior as becometh holiness. Uh, you know what that uh, becometh means? Uh, that word becometh means adorn. Uh, so they are to adorn a holy attitude. And and they're also uh, not false accusers, not given to wine, much wine. Maybe the problem, uh, and sometimes, you know, in, uh, with the older women in this area that, that he was talking to, maybe they had gotten to where they were too busy uh, uh, tending to other people's affairs, uh, uh, maybe then tending to their own. And he says, so you need to adorn that which is holiness, uh, uh, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, <clears throat> that they may teach the younger women to be sober, uh, to love their... And that doesn't mean to not not be out drunk. Uh, that's talking about having a sober mind, uh, uh, to have a clear thinking, uh, and uh, and to be servants of one another. And, and also, I guess there's a little bit of a sense of... of uh, uh, kind of like here where it talks about being temperate, being uh, under control. Uh, so he says uh, uh, they are to be sober, uh, that they may be, that the, that the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet. I heard, uh, I remember years ago when I was teaching through, through some of this at one time, and, uh, and, and a young sister who had, uh, who had a number, of, had, who had children, and she had struggled, she struggled with that somewhat at the time, uh, uh, that it was difficult. And I look out on some of these young families here, how difficult it is to, to to uh, train up their children, uh, and uh, and the Bible, and so she was she was marveling at the fact that the older women were to teach the younger women to love their husbands. Uh, she says, and, and to love their children. She says, I never had thought about the fact I needed somebody to tell me. You need to love your children even when your children don't act in such a way uh, uh, that uh, that they seem to be lovable every day. Uh, just like they need to love you need to love your husbands even though husbands don't always act in ways uh, that are lovable and that are carry, caring. Uh, uh, the older women are teach the younger women love your husbands, <laughs> love your children, uh, and to uh, uh, to uh, to be discreet and chaste, uh, uh, keepers at home. Uh, that word, that phrase, that's where I wanted to get to this morning a little bit. That word phrase and that phrase, keepers at home, means to guide the home and to 
it basically, if I turn over to another place, in fact, that's where I started to go earlier, was First Timothy chapter five. It tells us over there uh, uh, some things about uh, how the how the women are to guide the home and to be uh, and to to lead the, the things that are done. It says, "I, I will therefore," verse fourteen of First Timothy chapter five. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house. That word, that phrase, guide the house and keepers at home, uh, and I'll finish reading that sentence, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. The woman is to be the house manager. <laughs> she is to guide the house to be uh, to rule over the house, if you will. It doesn't mean that she is, is in that is out from under her husband's uh, uh, leadership. We could talk about the roles of husbands and wives and so forth. But it falls back to the wives. Why? Because the wives are uh, are typically there with the children more, even if they're out selling purple, even if they're out doing business like Phoebe. They're going to, by nature, spend more time with the children than anybody else. There, it's just how it's going to work out that way that they will end up spending more time with their children and they are to guide the home, lead the home. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means they're going to have to be able to teach some things. You know, the one of the things that I've learned over the years is without good godly women teaching their children good godly things, the children, my friends, are many times let gone astray uh, and many times churches are are totally gone and wiped out because the, of the good the the lack of good godly women doing the things that they should do to help guide the home, teach the home, train up their children in the way that they should go. All of those things, my friends, are so important. Uh, uh, and, and it doesn't mean I'll tell you, uh, you know, the the old the old phrase. Uh, uh, think about it, you know the the women of the of the Bible are more super women uh, uh, than they are anything else because not only are they uh, are they bearing children and and having children, uh, they're to raise up and to guide the home and direct the home. But then also many times they're to carry out business uh, and do things. And we find that how many of you, uh, like me, have heard sermons preached, and we'll get over there to that in a minute. Uh, we'll get over to the 30, uh, 31st chapter of the book of Proverbs, and we'll find over there the story of the virtuous woman that's laid out in Proverbs 31. Now I'll tell you what, if, this, if, this, if the Proverbs 31 woman is, a, is the high mark among women, and I think it's pretty high, uh, that's laid out over there in, the, in Proverbs 31. I'll tell you what, we need to observe what all this woman was doing over there in Proverbs 31. And she wasn't sitting home all the time, and she wasn't just staying at home, and being a keeper at home doesn't mean that she has to stay at home all the time. It means that she's supposed to direct the household and run things around there and be the manager of the household. <laughs> it's supposed to run under... And you know what? You men, you ought to be giving her all the support she needs to run the household. Uh, you ought to be there to help support her and make sure she's got your strength, that man's strength that sometimes comes along. Uh, you know, we used to we used to kind of laugh about things, you know, that uh, with the children. Uh, but it was funny how the children sometimes in in our household and maybe in some of your households uh, uh, would look at it. To, uh, I could look at the children or just use that man voice 
and, and, and speak to them and get attention in ways that the wife and the mother could not get. Yeah, I, you know, say what you will. I think it's the way God made us, okay? Uh, the woman is to guide the house, run, run the house, manage the house, and she's got an important role in, in teaching and training the children and so forth. Uh, uh, but, uh, but men, you're there to make sure she's got all the support she needs to do exactly what God has directed her to do, okay? And, and not only that, then to play your role. And, and so forth, is to be a, a leader of the house, spiritual leader of the house. Uh, that falls back to you. <laughs> Doesn't mean the wife has to be a spiritually unknowledgeable because if she's going to teach the children the things she should be teaching them, she has to know spiritual things as well. She has to know the Bible. She has to know what the Bible teaches about things. And so it's important to have all these roles together. So uh, Titus tells us over here that... Uh, aged women, uh, that they be of a behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given unto much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women. What? To be sober, to be, uh, uh, to be, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed, and then likewise, uh, young men likewise, exhort to be sober-minded in all things, Showing uh, thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine and so forth. So uh, there's there's roles for everybody to play, as we said over here in uh, in First uh, Timothy chapter five, uh, as we as we read those things there. There's a whole list of what goes before this, uh, but uh, he says, "I will." Paul was teaching here to the young preacher Timothy. I will that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give an occasion to the adversary. <clears throat> for some already have turned aside after Satan. So that word, keepers at home and guide of the house, she's the house manager. Uh, in fact, I was looking at that, that word that's, that's translated guide, uh, and I cannot pronounce it, uh, uh, but it has at the end of the, at the, end of the uh, Greek phrase is that you can see very plainly is the word despot. <laughs> so she, she is to be the despotic leader, ruler of the home. <laughs> uh, in other words, she's, she says it, it's to go, okay? Uh, and, uh, and so uh, that doesn't mean she's to get out from behind uh, the, the leadership of the husband and so forth, but she is to rule and manage the house, and that's her role. She needs to know how to do that. She may need the husband's help, uh, the father's help in how to do that, but he uh, help them all that you can in doing those things. Now, so, so let's, look at, uh, let's look at maybe... Uh, you know, there's there's always exceptions that you find in things, and we were talking about the leader and the ruler, and uh, and, the, and we could talk about the role of men and so forth in doing that. Let's turn over for a minute before we head off into the Old Testament for a minute. Uh, let's look at First Corinthians chapter seven uh, because there's some things that we ought to just uh, glean from there real quickly uh, as we as we look at this at this whole whole subject. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we find this. He says, uh, verse, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. Let's just start there. For I would that all men were even as myself. Even every man hath his proper gift of God, one after one manner, one after this manner, and another after that. I say therefore unto the unmarried and the widows, it is good for them that they abide even as I. 
But if they, if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. And he says, Unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from, from her husband. And if, But if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. And we could get off into a whole realm of things that I'm not going to dive off into this morning about marriage and uh, you know divorce and so forth along those lines. But I want to get to a point down here. But to the rest speak I, speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believe not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman that hath a husband that believeth not, if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified uh, by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were their children unclean, uh, unclean, but now are they holy. So he's putting the unbeliever wife, the unbeliever husband in the same in the same box, if you will. If they've got a believing husband, an unbelieving wife, a believing wife, and an unbelieving husband, he says there's a benefit, there can be a benefit, and he says you don't just put them away because they don't believe, for one thing. And he says, but if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us unto peace. For thou know, for what knowest, this is where I was wanting to get, verse 16. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? Now, this is not uh, eternal salvation under consideration, but there is a salvation that comes from having a believing, honest wife and I'm going to turn back over to the Old Testament, uh, and I'm not going to read all of that, uh, all of the Scripture, uh, but I want you, want you to spend a little time, if you will, and we'll turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 25, and there's a story there about a man by the name of Nabal uh, and his wife, Abigail. Uh, Nabal, the Bible tells us, and I'll read just a little bit of this, <clears throat> and so that you can kind of get the, the idea. And it says in chapter 25, verse 1, And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together, and lamented him, and buried him in the house of Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Now, you, uh, if I went back into chapter 24, you would find, uh, you know, this is where Saul... Uh, Saul is pursuing after David. Uh, in fact, uh, this is the place where he goes outside the cave and says, I could have had you last night. Uh, and Saul kind of gets David to swear that he won't cut off Saul's family. In other words, he won't kill all of Saul's heritage after Saul is gone. And so uh, uh, he goes off down into the wilderness uh, of Paran, and there was a man in Maon, whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and a thousand goats, and he, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Uh, now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and, of, and a beautiful countenance, but the man was churlish and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb." The Bible tells us he was evil and he was a churlish, which means he was basically a foolish man uh, uh, and cruel. And so uh, uh, the, the, as we read this story here in chapter 25, what we find is, uh, is that he had his men uh, shearing their sheep up at Carmel and David's men were in the wilderness and they were in need of food and sustenance and so forth. 
So they go up to see Nabal's uh, uh, herders and see if they can't get some of their some of their if he would let them have some of the sheep or whatever. And while they're there, David's men even camped around Nabal's flocks and his herders at night and protected them from the enemy. And then when they when they uh, when the herders went to Nabal and says, "Hey, this man's been protecting us out here in the wilderness." Uh, and he is, and and, uh, and it's David, uh, and he has requested uh, that, that he get some of the the sheep for his men and so forth. Nabal's Nabal's reply was, "Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? He's nothing to me." Uh, and tell him to get out of here. Basically, is what it was. Well, so uh, David David cooks on this for a day or two, and he decides, you know what? I'm going to go back up there, uh, and I'm going to wipe out every every man child of Nabal, and I'm going to kill every one of them. There won't be a single one of them left. And the herders got word of this, uh, and the herder went to Abigail, uh, Nabal's wife. Uh, and Abigail immediately began to think about what was going on, and you know what she did? She took some. She took some of the some of the sheep and some of the goats. She prepared them for cooking. She took some raisins. She took some other other uh, food and so forth and prepared it and a couple of bottles of wine. And she went down immediately to meet with David uh, and tell David, "Please don't kill all the all the herdsmen and all the people here." And you know what? He didn't. Abigail. The, the the unbelieving husband, I'll, I'll come back around and say, the unbelieving husband was saved by the believing wife. She had respect unto God, and she had respect unto God's man. And she went and met with God's man and says, here, we'll help take care of you. And because of that, God and David spared Nabal and his whole household, okay? So uh, there's a time, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, well, the woman's, woman's got to do exactly what the man says. You know what? If the woman had uh, gone to Nabal at that time and asked him, he'd have said, no, we're not giving anything to David. Uh, but she ended up saving the household because she acted on what God had instructed her that this was God's man and you better take care of him. Okay, so, uh, you know, so a lot of times we try to put things into boxes and say, well, the woman's got to do this and the woman's got to do exactly, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? The woman better, the woman knew just like, just like Peter in his day, is it better to obey men or to obey God? Peter, Abigail knew that it was better to obey God and and save her household than it was to obey men, which would in this case would have been her husband, and end up with a household wiped out. <laughs> okay, Peter knew that in the in the New Testament, in the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, Peter and John had been uh, told not to preach anymore in this name of Jesus. Uh, and Peter goes uh, to the high priest as the high priest is telling them this and says, uh, 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 and, and looks at him and says, is it a better for to, to obey man or to God? You decide. Uh, and then they went on out and continued to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, there may be times that I, I see this uh, uh, more and more. Uh, uh, there's things that, uh, that concern me going on on the political front of what, the, what might be done. And if I continue to preach what God's Word says, 
Uh, you know, will they will they ban us off of Facebook? Will they ban us off of YouTube? I don't know. Uh, could be. Uh, but you know, it's not going to stop us from preaching what God's Word says. Uh, it's better to obey God than to obey men and to be uh, struck down by those that think they have power uh, that they don't have. But anyway, uh, as, uh, as, we, uh, as we look at this word, uh, Phoebe, our sister, he says, is commended to you at, at Rome. Why? You help her in every way she can in her business. She had a business. Don't know what that business was, but whatever it was, he, uh, Paul says, you at the church at Rome help her. Let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 31 because we've seen the women have a, the women have a role. They have a teaching role. Uh, they have a specific teaching role. I could get over and look. Uh, uh, there's other places. Uh, you know, and just because uh, the Word of God prohibits uh, uh, the women from being uh, pastor teachers doesn't mean that they don't have an important role. Every, every role that God's children have is an important role. We just need to be, make sure we're following in the role that God has given us. And, and stepping into it with all of our might, with all of our power, with all of our heart. You know, uh, just do what God says. Uh, and, uh, and it'll be best for the church, for the community, uh, uh, for the families, and for the nation to do what God has called us to do. Yeah, we could turn over there real quickly. Not going to right yet. Uh, maybe not even today, but we'll see. Uh, but we could turn over there. You know, Paul, Paul said this on, uh, in the second, uh, second, uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and then he repeats it over in uh, uh, the 14th chapter of the, the book of, uh, book of Corinth, 1 Corinthians. He says over there, I suffer not a woman to teach. He didn't, by that, he didn't mean they couldn't teach at all. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gone over into Titus and says, the older women are to teach the younger women. What are they to teach them? They're to teach them some, some specific things. To love their husbands, to love their children, to learn to be discreet, to be chaste. Uh, you know, I think about this, and Brother Derek has been here, uh, and Sister Marcia too, uh, have been over to Africa. One of the things that I found when I, when I went to Africa, you know, which maybe surprised me initially to think about, do you know the women over there are very discreet? They're very discreet in the way they dress. Uh, they have long, you know, I, I, whatever ideas you might have about Africa. Yes, they're very colorful, uh, brother. Brother Martin, if you're listening to this again, uh, you uh, yes, they dress very colorfully. They like colorful dresses and so forth. But you know what they also like? They like very long dresses. They wear dresses that are very long. Uh, they have dresses that cover them uh, very well. Uh, they're they're very uh, uh, discreet in the way they the way they dress and the way they conduct themselves. You know, I, I'll say we ought to all be more that way in the way we're the way we're dressed uh, these these days. Uh, uh, people wearing their uh, you know this is not just the women these days. Uh, men and their tight jeans, you know, and so forth. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, trying to bring highlight things that don't need to be highlighted. Uh, we need to be more discreet in the way we conduct ourselves, in the way we dress, and so forth. Uh, so we turn over to Proverbs chapter 31. Y'all Please, Brother Charles, get out of that and get on over to the Proverbs 31. Uh, but as we get over to Proverbs 31, he tells us over here, uh, <coughs> he says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her, for her price is far above rubies the heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that she have no need of spoil she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life i'll tell you uh 
I, you know, I, I think about, I think about me, you know, and I think about my wife. Uh, I, me and me and her, and I can truly say, you know, uh, uh, my life up to this point, uh, uh, she's done me good and not evil. Uh, she's been a blessing to me in my ministry. She's been a blessing to me in my home. She's been a blessing to me in my family. Uh, uh, and and yes, as we talk about this virtuous woman here. You know, uh, she can do things uh, and 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 run things. She can run things around the house. Uh, she can run run uh, things uh, in other places and help things get done. Uh, she can go and conduct business and help take care of things. Uh, 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 she's a she's a joy in the way she goes about doing all of that. Uh, and it says uh, uh, the heart of her husband uh, does safely trust in her, so that she hath no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. One thing, she's not lazy. Uh, she's, she's willing to seek out and do. No doubt the picture we get here, and especially you think about the day and the age and the time, uh, you know, just like my grandmother, and I've told this uh, before, you know, in, in my growing up and in the generation before us, before me and my wife and Sister Marcia and some of the others, the generation before us, Store-bought clothes was not a thing. Uh, I mean, it was a rarity uh, back during that day. My grandmother made most of her dresses uh, from the time I know until the time she died. She would go to the store. She would buy a bowl of cloth. Uh, she would find a color she liked, a pattern she liked. She would find a dress pattern. Uh, she would take the time to cut the pattern out. She'd pin it onto the cloth. She'd cut it all out. She followed the pattern and made the dress and that's how she did things because she had been taught that from a young girl. Well, guess what? Probably every shirt I wore going to school up until about the time I was in the fifth or the sixth grade, my grandmother made for me. Uh, they were made from old pieces of cloth. Uh, maybe it was an old what was left over from a dress or what was left over. Maybe she actually bought a special piece of cloth and made something for me. Uh, you know, But uh, that's the way it was. Here this woman is a woman who seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. What is she doing? She's knitting. She's making twine. She's a. Uh, uh, when we were over in uh, uh, in Israel back a few years ago, they had a little. It was a little touristy type thing, but we were there in the city of Nazareth, uh, and they had a village of Nazareth, and you could go there and see how things used to be done years ago. Uh, and I remember my wife, uh, she volunteered and, and she went over there and they helped her spin some yarn and make some thread uh, out of the, and they had it uh, uh, dyed different colors uh, because, and they told you what they had used. Uh, they had used uh, this type of earth or this type of soil to, to dye the threads a certain color. And then you would take it and spin it uh, and then you'd spin it into a piece of uh, piece of yarn. Then you could use it to knit and make clothes and blankets and other things uh, with like that. So she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She bringeth her food from afar. You know what? That's not a woman staying at home all the time. She's going out. She's getting the food. She's taking the, taking the wool, the flax, and so forth. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household, and a portion to her maidens. She's, she's getting up early. I mean, uh, the, the women of, of the world that have helped guide households and manage households, uh, they, didn't, they didn't get a lot of rest and a lot of sleep in their day. Uh, they rose up early. Why? Uh, you had to put the wood on the fire. You had to get the fire going to cook the food. Uh, there was a lot of work to be done. And she not only took care of her household, 
She took care of the maidens that were around there helping serve the household. She considered the field and buyeth it. Wait a minute. What about, what about this whole thing about women being keepers at home? We got a woman out buying a field. Uh, that's because uh, uh, the man tr uh, not only uh, guided her and directed her, he trusted her. Because she would do him good and not evil. And so she saw a field and she bought it. She considered the field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. Man, I'm telling you, she's buying a field. She's planting a vineyard. She's going afar to the merchant ships and getting food and bringing it to her household. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle not, goeth not out by night. Why? Because she's up so late working and she's up so early that the candle never does go out. It doesn't burn down. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hands hold to the hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. You know, this she's not only taking care of her household, she's looking out for those that have need out there in the community. She stretches her hands out to the needy and the poor and those that are in it. And the Bible calls her what? A, vir a virtuous woman. She stretches out her hand to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the, for the, of the snow for her household. For all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry, and her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates. You know, that, that, that sounds like a simple phrase, but that's a very big deal uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, uh, the man that sat in the gates, you know, it wasn't necessarily a good thing, but Lot was the man that was sitting at the gate. What did that mean? It means he was the leader of the city. He was one of the elders of the city and one of the leaders of the town. Her husband is known in the gates, and when he sitteth among the elders of the land, she maketh fine linen and selleth it, and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is a law of kindness. <clears throat> her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praiseth her. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> uh, she does all this stuff, but you know what? The man praises her. He tells her what a good job she does, what a great wife she is, what a good mother she is, how what a wonderful merchant she is. He tells her what a great thing she's done. The children rise up and they bless her because she's such a good mom. And you know what? The husband praiseth her as well. Uh, and he look, she looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of her idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed her husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Now, that doesn't sound like a woman. You know, today, today, you know, people say, well, the woman needs to be a keeper at home. Well, what does that mean? That means she needs to be running the house. Keeping things going, making sure things are going smooth, helping to raise up, teaching the younger women and the children the things they need to know. And it, and it's important, uh, uh, ladies, uh, uh, that as you are sitting here, uh, you need to be getting enough grounding in the Word of God so that you can teach your young children the things they need to know to be godly young men and godly young women. Uh, uh, 
parents, husbands, fathers, you need to be doing the same. But it's, but it's not just the fathers. There to be the spiritual leaders of the home, but the women are also there to help guide, direct, and manage. Well, I tell you, uh, we're not talking about... Now, can you begin to see Sister Phoebe had business? I don't know what her business was. The Bible doesn't tell us. It just says she had business in Rome. And you know what Paul told the church at Rome? You help her in any way you can. Why? Because she's a sucker of many. She's helped me. She's a servant of the church. She's a gracious woman. You help her in any way you can. Uh, we could turn on, and I'm not going. I'm not going to dive off into that part this morning because uh, uh, I'm just going to bring it to a close right here. But if you go on in into those next next few verses, he says, "Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in the Lord and helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks. To whom not only I give thanks, but also all the church churches of the Gentiles." You know, we go back over, and I will say this, Priscilla and Aquila, you know what What they did? We turn over to about the 18th chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, there was a man who had, who had uh, 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 by the name of Apollos, who was a great orator, but he only knew certain things about the gospel. In fact, all he knew was the baptism of John, if I remember correctly. Uh, and Priscilla and Aquila, who had been at Rome, and, and, and what was happening in those days, many of the Jews were being kicked out of Rome uh, by Claudius, uh, and they had been set to, uh, ended up in Asia Minor, and they ended up meeting with Apollos and hearing him preach and teach, and they sat down with him and taught him the word of God more perfectly. You know what? The Bible, do, the Bible doesn't say that Priscilla ever got up and taught publicly. In fact, I know Paul, from what he said in other places, Paul would have prohibited that from happening because he didn't believe the women were to be pastors and teachers. Uh, but you know what? It didn't mean the women didn't have an important role. Uh, and the fact that uh, Priscilla and, and Aquila sat down with Apollos and they taught him the Word of God more perfectly is a very telling part of the Word of God so that we might know that our roles are important. I, th I think about this. How many godly mothers, and I'm not just talking about my mama, Who's, who's dead and gone. But how many women have I known over the years in the church that taught me very, you know, taught me in little bitty ways, maybe. But they had a word here or a word there. Maybe they admonished me about something they saw in my preaching. Or maybe they admonished me in other ways. Uh, uh, and, uh, and, and not only praying for one another, but also just teaching me some things, some valuable things about life how to be a better daddy, how to be a better husband, how to be a better uh, uh, a pastor. They helped me along the way. The women were teaching me how to be a better better pastor and a better teacher and a better husband. I'll tell you, may, we, may this continue. May the numbers of women that take on this role heartily and happily and, and joyously, may the numbers grow. May, the, may your tribe increase in the, as we go out in this old world and serve our God. And you know what? It doesn't have to be all, uh, all sad and gloom, right? We ought, to, we ought to take our roles, whether it be pastor, teacher, or other, or learner, or teachers of young folks along the way, we ought to joyously take up the yoke and go out and serve our, serve our Lord in the role that He's given us. May God bless you is our prayer 
as we go forth into another week. Uh, let us take on this teaching and guiding role in our lives even more. May God bless you is our prayer.